Welcome. You are listening to episode four of the Dropped Lines podcast with Mac and Jen. In this episode, we welcome our guest, local actor Bruce E. Travers, to talk about theater things while we celebrate the glorious month of Jen Timber. Welcome to Drop Lines with Mac and Jen. I'm Mac. I'm Jen. And with us in the studio today is Bruce E. Travers. Yes. Say hi, Bruce. Hello. That's not hi, Bruce. You're supposed to say hi, Bruce. <laughs> I didn't go for the cheap laugh. <laughs> um, and uh, as usual, we're gonna we're gonna talk some theater today. Um, uh, Bruce is with us. Uh, I've done quite a few shows with Bruce. Uh, Jen, you've done some shows with Bruce. Yes. Yeah. Um, so at least one. Yeah. Just I think it was just, just one. The one. Just yeah. The we one. we just did Moon Over just Buffalo right. together. That's right. Our our favorite uh, Ken Ludwig show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Bruce, um, uh, what, are you, what are you up to uh, currently theater-wise? I'm currently starring in the title role of the Canterville Ghost. Um, I should say we're, we're in, currently in rehearsals for it. it it's going to open next month at Community Theater Players in Ben Avon. So um, I'm getting to play a role that Patrick Stewart, I guess, played. Uh, I didn't realize this. Mm-hmm. Charles Lawton, uh, there have been some famous ones, John Gilgood. Uh, and uh, the most fun of it is I got to really just be overly the top boisterous. It's an interesting story. It's based on an Oscar Wilde short story um, uh, written in the 1800s. And so it's a little bit more modern now. But uh, it's still this, uh, this story of this ghost who haunts his, his castle in, um, in England. And it's bought by an American family. And they do not respect the ghost the way the English did. So he's having a little war going with them. But it's kind of interesting and that I can pass through walls and just appear out of nowhere. Yet, at one point, I'm one of the uh, one of the children attacks me with some spray deodorant and it affects me. <laughs> blinds me. So, so he does seem to spray have deodorant. some physical limitations. Spray deodorant. Um, the bane of all ghosts everywhere, I'm sure. <laughs> And you said it's on a Ben Avon, is that? Uh, yeah, Ben Avon. Uh, I'm not. It's, it's, I'm not familiar with that group. So it's um, yeah, they operate out of a church. There's a lot of a lot of theater groups do. Um, the uh, the the I believe it's the Presbyterian Church in Ben Avon. It's on Church Street. I know, so it's easy to remember oh, where. Oh, yeah. And uh, they do they do about uh, four shows a year. It's this is my third one with them, um, and. Uh, I seem to do there about every you know four years or so. I managed to hook up with them, and they're very close to my house. So I really should. Um, you talked about um, about theaters um, selecting shows um, last week. I think it was we didn't really talk too much about how actors select shows, and there is <laughs> sometimes you do that. You know what's close to home. Uh, when I do things in um, in Rochester, you know that's that's a forty five minute drive for rehearsals, and if you're doing three rehearsals um, a week. You have to kind of look and say, can I afford this? You know, what's gas going for these days? Right. You know, can right. I afford to take that role? And uh, so this is a good one to just be that close to my home. I had a very similar discussion with myself about a show. Um, they were doing it. It was a uh, group down in Carnegie, I think. And they do like actual stage fighting and stuff like that. I thought, well, that'd be, that'd be cool just to mm-hmm. learn, you know, yeah. how to do that stuff. And I'm like, but rehearsals are you know, way far away from me. It's, it's the problem I have with uh, the uh, New Works festivals. Is most of those theater groups mm-hmm. are are down in Pittsburgh. Uh, our act, obviously, is in Rochester, which is closer to me. But I know they tend to want to cast people that they're not familiar with to, to get different people involved. So um, 
So you've, you've done shows uh, at the different community theaters. Uh. I thought one of the things that most um, strikes me is the two of you. I saw you in um, in uh, Angel Street or, or Gaslight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I also, I, I, the funny thing is I, I did that show. Um, I did that show in Comptra many, many years ago. And they called it Angel Street the first week. And we got almost nobody to show, showing up. And the, so they changed the marquee to Gaslight. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, came much because it doesn't. It sounds like a cheesy musical, doesn't? Angel Street, Angel Street. It, it doesn't give you the idea of a murder mystery from the name Angel Street. So Manningham comes out for the for the dance number at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I saw the two of you, and you were you were remarkable. And uh, but the I played the role that you guys didn't. I played the detective, and I just had a ball with it. It was one of the most fun roles I've had because he's sort of the uh, the uh, English uh, Columbo. We'll have mm-hmm. to, we'll have to uh, talk somebody into doing it again and put the three of us in it. Exactly. Uh, maybe Driftwood will have to do it because I can <laughs> precast those if I want to. <laughs> it's one of it's one of my pet peeves actually uh, is theater companies that that precast but don't bother telling anybody they precast mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. uh, and then they have an open audition which really isn't an open audition but it's you know. They, they're like, well, we've, we've already cast all the really good parts, but we're trying to fill <laughs> that, that guy who comes on and says one word. You know, yeah. I hate that. I never understood it from a director's standpoint. Uh, it's okay. I, I could see telling somebody, hey, you know, I got a part I think you'd be great for. Please come and audition. But why you would lock yourself in and, and deprive yourself of that chance for somebody you've never seen before? We all have shown up at different theaters for the first time, knowing that there's nobody there that has ever seen us perform. and. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you know, why why a director would rob himself that chance to? I have a uh, I have a um, a listing on my website of things I think directors should do when they're directing a play, and, and one of those is <laughs> drop pens. It's <laughs> not to drop pens while I'm recording, but one of those is um, to uh, to not have things set in in stone. Is is to be open to to other people because you never know who you're going to get in an audition. You never know who's going to walk in that door and just knock your socks off and you go, I don't care which part I give this person, but I've got to get them in the play. <laughs> if not for the fact that uh, they may not be great in this show, but if I, if I don't, they may never come back. You know, and I, I find that because I see people at rehearsals at places, not rehearsals, excuse me, uh, auditions. And, and Jen, you've probably seen this too. People come to auditions and they would be good for something. They just may not be good for mm-hmm. the lead role in this show. But then you don't, the director doesn't offer them anything. And then you never see that person mm-hmm. again. I mean, yeah. have, have you had experiences like that? Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that happen. I, I think, um, I think it's unfortunate then that people don't want to come to come back and um, audition for other things because there are other, I've definitely seen people in some shows that we've done where I'm like, they would be perfect in one of our murder mysteries or, um, you know, for a different show, they just don't necessarily fit for this one. But um, we kind of lucked out this year. There were some people who um, wanted to get involved otherwise, whenever they didn't get a role. And so we've, I think we gained um, in at our act. Anyway, we gained a couple of, People this year, and this was a rough season to do that because yeah. we were traveling this season, and we had to, um, you know, cancel a few performances and shows and change our season around a little. But we managed to, um, you know, still get some new people in, so that's exciting. I had I had considered coming down for the for the 
the Ken Ludwig play. <laughs> yes. I don't, but I, you know, but then they canceled it and I didn't have to make that choice. <laughs> so Bruce, um, uh, it would help if I had like a list of things to talk about, but I don't, I don't really have a list of things to talk about. Um, uh, Jen, did, is there anything? Um, well, when we were talking about, um, Casting just a bit ago in directors, I think um, one thing that I've noticed uh, for myself, which is a really it's really good if directors keep an open mind, is that sometimes if you are kind of familiar with an actor, but you've only seen them in one certain thing, you know, you tend to typecast or pigeonhole them and not necessarily even want them to audition or consider them when they do audition. And for me personally, I think um, it, it worked out well for me for Gaslight. But prior to that, um Really, nobody had seen me do drama. Everybody had seen me do comedy. And um, I think there probably would have been a lot of people that might not have even considered me for that role. Or, you know, like, oh, Jen goes up there and she makes these crazy faces and throws herself down on the ground and does all this kind of stuff. But, you know, can she be convincingly dramatic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. But I, but I know even I'm... Um, you know, I have that same problem. There are people that I've looked at and went, well, I don't know if they can do this because <laughs> I've only seen them do that. And I think you need to be really open, you know, whenever it comes to auditions and then, you know, encourage people to come in and audition for things that maybe you don't even think they would necessarily be a good fit for just to give them the experience and say, hey, will you come and audition? What's it going to hurt if, um, you know, you audition, you don't get the part, but you got to read for something different. You got to try something different. And I think that that's good to like look at, um, you know, roles that we might not necessarily consider initially. And then have directors have open minds. I've had some directors that they'll have you read literally every role that's there, even if you don't fit it. And I think that that's not a bad way to go about it if there's time at the auditions. Like I've read for characters way older and way younger. And, um, you know, where directors are like, you know what, switch that, switch that, switch that. And I, I, I don't know, I think that's a good way to look at it and really get a feel for who's auditioning. I've, uh, so. I've switched genders during auditions on my, uh, auditionees, the, the perspective, you know, I said, Hey, read this part. And I'm like, but you know, I'm not a guy. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I just want to see you do something different. I'm sorry. So, you're not a guy. Me, me personally. But <laughs> <laughs> Let me check. Yes. Yes. I am in fact a guy. Um, but no, but like, um, uh, I, Bruce and I were talking about this earlier, how I don't really like to throw in a lot of names. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when we did um, uh, Death Trap mm. and we were doing auditions for Death Trap, I had asked one of the young ladies there to read. Um, actually, I think I had her read uh, the part you ended up playing just because I wanted to see her do something different in the audition as opposed to, you know, here, read this this part that's really small, but let's see what you can do. You know, because I like to mm -hmm. see sometimes, you know, can you be somebody else? Do you find yourself um, typecast much, Bruce? I would say the one thing that comes to mind when you when you open up this topic was um, that I have never really played, except for one time, I've never played the dumb person. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I I do find sometimes it's difficult to come across that way. But I was I was cast in a, in a role in at uh, Comtra for a show called Bad Year for Tomatoes, in which I played a little country bumpkin guy named uh, Piney, you know, real backwoodsman guy. And, uh, you know, so I, I had to um, try and kind of dumb myself down, which I, I, I did find difficult. So I don't really get those, but I haven't, I've been equally 
adapt, I guess, a comedy and drama. Uh, I'm a terrible dancer, so when I get cast in a musical, the director knows they have to change the choreography. And I've had that. I've had that where they said, you know, your voice is is good. Uh, we love your acting. We'll just we'll just have you stand in a corner. Or well, actually, one of the great shows was Young Frankenstein, and uh, you you were in that with me. I don't know that we had too many scenes together, but there was a, a big dance number, um, which anybody who saw the movie is also in the is in the musical is uh, when uh, they do putting on the Ritz with the monster and right. Frankenstein. And uh, the late Dale Irwin was playing. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, That's fine. <laughs> okay. Giving out a name, but a uh, wonderful actor. He played he played the monster and, I, and neither of us could dance. And so the director <laughs> just said, well, this, you know, you guys are going to do a couple of steps. And then I leave the stage and all these extras came out, you know, all the, the, the supernumeraries came on and just did a wonderful job. Great, great um, <laughs> number. But yeah, he was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I want you guys doing these roles, but this number is going to be terrible if, we, if I try and teach you two guys to dance. So, um, but no, I guess in answer to your question, typecasting, I haven't really found that too much. Um, I, I've been blessed to, to do a variety of roles. Um, but I do. it does strike me that the only time, that was just that one time where I got to play somebody who you know, was kind of a, a bumpkin and kind of a comedy fool. I, I find that I get cast uh, as guys who yell a lot. <laughs> um, uh, You're was... fantastic at yelling. <laughs> really good. It's just, I don't know. Uh, well, that's kind of anti-typecasting because you, you're a very quiet person. Too. I, I, mean, I kind of am. You direct yeah. me and I've worked at doing shows and it strikes me how you are always very, you don't really yell a lot. In, no, I don't. Um, but I but I seem to get cast as guys who who, who either yell at, at people a lot or or have deep, booming voices. Um, I think I did uh, Kiss Me Kate, and I played like one of the characters with a name who never actually sings. I was like, mm-hmm. why would you cast me as somebody who doesn't sing? I don't understand, but I did the part anyways. Um, but all he did was come on stage, and, and I think the character's name is Harry or something like that. Or, um um, but he comes on and he and he does he just chews up the scenery. He does Shakespeare in this Shakespearean accent and just chews the scenery loudly. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then I did a uh, what was it? Um, um, uh, Curious Savage. Oh, yeah. I played I played Titus, and Titus spends half of the play yelling at people. So, <laughs> and and of course I've never yelled at at Jen uh, on stage uh, at all, have I? <laughs> no, no, never yelled at me on stage. <laughs> He's yelled at me quite a bit on stage. <laughs> Off stage, never. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> but yeah, on stage during Gaslight, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I was watching that video the other day. Um, and I need to, I need to get, uh, I need to get your copy of that mm-hmm. so I could edit it together because my, my camera was set up behind a pole, <laughs> oh. so I could see three quarters of the stage. And there's, there's a scene where you and I are talking. And all you can see is like, like half of my face and half of your face because the pole is right, right where we are. So that's that's a problem with with that theater. But we don't have that problem with that theater anymore because it doesn't exist. But uh, the one at uh, Rochester, our act. Oh, I didn't know. You, that. you didn't know they, this? They moved. Yeah, that's a. Uh, or they folded. No, no, they they um they lost their they lost their performance place oh. um and have. And are in the process of moving, so they currently don't have a stage. But it's uh, they got flooded, didn't they? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Ever no, no, the, no the building so. got sold. Yeah, the building got and sold, and it's oh, now an oh. antique store. Yeah, so. and uh, and in my honesty, <laughs> there's typecasting. <laughs> 
and in my honest opinion, uh, it's probably for the best. Yes. <laughs> that that building was a uh, was a rat trap. Uh, that's actually giving rat traps a, a bad name. Really, is <laughs> I used to. I referred to it as the wet refrigerator box, <laughs> and that's what it reminded me of. It's just mm, like if you mm. took a big giant cardboard box, like wet it down, so it was all like mildewy and dripping. That was the theater. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. hopefully they'll find out a better space to perform because they, they, they do good, good things there. I, I agree. Boy, it was, yeah. It was a very small yeah. space. It, it was, um, I really had to, to really want to do things at that theater before I would audition for it because I'd walk in the building and I'd have an asthma attack, mm -hmm. you know, so, which is never good when you're on the stage <laughs> trying to be dramatic and you're having an asthma attack. Unless you're yeah. playing Darth Vader. <laughs> 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 I can't remember any of my lines from that play. It's you know that is uh, that is a curious thing that people ask me about. If you ever yeah. you've probably been asked about this by friends who see you on stage, the, the one thing they're always amazed is how do you remember all those lines? And the really strange thing is how quickly you forget those lines. There is a flush button, I think, in a lot of actors' brains that it's it's um, you know that is a dominant uh, both of you in in in. Um, Gaslight there. It's really just a three-character show. I know there's a couple other characters that have uh, little bit parts, but you have so much dialogue, and yet mm -hmm. a week later, you just it's all gone, I, you know, because you got to fit in the next show. I still have it. That's yeah. um, mm -hmm. I I still remember a lot of my lines from high school. So I don't know <laughs> what it is about theater. I can remember monologues and and lines for very long periods of time. If I go to school and I take a test, I will forget everything the next day. So. Um, <laughs> The dialogue, it's just there forever. You know, what's, what I find uh, amusing is that uh, when I do shows, when I direct shows, um, my wife, Misa, um, oftentimes will either do costumes or set or stage or, or, you know, stage management or whatever. She's involved and she'll be at a lot of rehearsals and she knows the lines of the other actors. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, she knows my lines if I'm doing a show because she runs them with me. And uh, and they stick in her head. And I don't know. I don't know how that works because she can't remember people's names. <laughs> <laughs> but she knows. Uh, she knows lines. Yeah. It's time for tales of theater horror. I have to say, truly, my favorite my favorite story of this is um, is and my wife who will probably be listening to this. Sorry, honey. This was probably one of her things. Um, most embarrassing times. My wife is a stage manager. We met actually in Contra Theater when she was doing uh, stage managing one of my shows. And um, she is a she is quite a good stage manager, which means that she is very meticulous about details and everything is written down backstage. What piece is going on when, who's taking it, when's coming off, who's getting it off. Every scene, she is like, a drill sergeant back there, you know, people are kind of goofing off, but if, if she knows the scene's about to end, she's getting everybody together. Hey, 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 let's go. Let's go. Ready. Scene's ending. Here we go. So she's meticulous in this. And I know that a lot of people who've worked with her say, boy, she is a hard person to work for, but they appreciate that level of professionalism. Certainly as an actor, you do. So we were doing um, the musical uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, perhaps the best show I've ever been a part of. And the um, second, the second act begins and I am playing a con man, and I am playing opposite another con man who's a younger con man. And we're both trying to 
con this woman and it's kind of a competition. So we're trying to sabotage each other's plans as well as get our own plan to go. So he is there, there pretending to be a paralyzed veteran. And I have come on as the doctor who's going to cure him, but he there wasn't supposed to be any real doctor. He was supposed to con her out of the money. I need to send this money to this Dr. Emil Schaffhausen. And I still go, I'm Emil Schaffhausen. <laughs> so the great thing is that you start this song um, called uh, First Do No Harm. And uh, I am just beating him with these sticks. There's supposed to be a vase of reeds. And I am, during the song, I'm going, can you feel this? <laughs> you just whip his legs with this thing. And he has to pretend to be proud. So he's like, no, can't feel a thing. So, and there's this wonderful song and just having a good time of it. Well, I look over, here we've started, and uh, I look over and the reeds are not there. They're not on stage. Um, now, the, 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 a fun little aside with, with theater, I'm certain you've all experienced, you both have experienced as well, is that if you stumble for a line in a play, you just try and think, okay, well, what's the line? What is it? What is it? Not if you're in a musical. The music is playing. You've got to have it right now. <laughs> you don't have the time you have it right now. Especially if you've got a, a canned track that you're following. Because mm -hmm. if there's a, an orchestra, sometimes they can like catch up or vamp <laughs> while, you're, while you're doing it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the music has started. The song has started. And I'm walking over to pick up the reed. And it's not there. And I just thought, maybe it's on the other side. I turn, look, and it's not on the other side either. But now I am facing the, uh, the woman in the show who is giving me the eyes like, uh, hey, look over your shoulder. <laughs> and I turn back around and now the reeds are there. Perfect. <laughs> so I go over and pick them up and I do the song and everything works fine except that the very first thing I thought, the very first thing I thought, even before I thought how, how bad a situation I'm in if I don't have those reeds, is boy, my wife is just going to be really kicking somebody's butt. Whoever was supposed to bring those on stage is in real trouble now. It was after the show I went to her and she said, it was me. <laughs> it was my wife was the one who was supposed to get on stage. She had made sure everybody else had put anything on stage. And the song began and she looked and there is the face sitting there. And so she had... As I turned away, she had actually had to sneak right on stage, put them there, and signal to my to my female um, co-star there, they're here, turn them around. <laughs> and uh, so we still laugh a lot about that. That's uh, you know, because I think it's because she's so good as a stage manager that that that, that little um, mistake was kind of my fun little tale of horror. This has been. A Tale of Theater Horror. So I had, I had started uh, earlier um, about this being September. So we're doing uh, this this uh, particular episode is going to air at the end of this month. Um, but as I understand it, it's it's not September. It's no. Gentember. Yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell us about that, Jen? Because I'm kind of curious how it got to be Gentember. How it got to be Gentember. Well, my, my birthday is on the 30th of September, which is the very last day of September. So it's hard for me to get a birthday month because it's the last day of the month. So I just claimed all of September for myself. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> so September has become Gentember, and that gives everybody 30 days straight to just celebrate my existence. 30 days to celebrate, you know, this yeah. is, is the, the anniversary of her 29th birthday. The Gentiversary. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I have Mac Mactober? 
you certainly can. <laughs> <laughs> Every other month is just wide open Wait, for what, other what, people. What month is yours? Uh, uh, you don't know what month you December, were born? December. <laughs> December. Oh, the month I was born? Oh, yeah, that's August. I'm, I'm born in August. December. So. Yeah, I, I was like just trying to make a pun with my name. I kind of like December. It, it could yeah. probably just be yeah. Brucember, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I was born in August, so... Um, It'd be, it'd be difficult to say a Brucist. Um, <laughs> that sounds like something like somebody who is against me for no reason. You're a Brucist. Uh, yeah, I the I term coined the the phrase the term um, a few years back when I was still vlogging. I was a blogger at the time, and I was vlogging, and I had always wanted to try one of those daily vlogs, but I've never been able to because I talk way too much. So my videos always need to be edited. And by the time I get them edited, it's like a week later. And I, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I tried. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try it. And I did pretty good for like, you know, a, a couple of days. And I decided I chose to do it my birthday month. And I was going to be I was turning 35 that year. So I said, you know, let's let's build up to my 35th birthday. And I made it probably about 10 days in and then life just got busy and the whole thing fell apart. And then I was like, now I can never vlog again. And I pretty much didn't. <laughs> Although that that was not the reason why exactly. Everything just, you know, it just ended up being a busy time and I stopped vlogging and blogging altogether for a while. Um, I still really don't because then I started theater and I've got other stuff going on. So I decided to resurrect it just um the idea of it so we can still just celebrate me anyway. There's just no <laughs> vlogs attached to it. I even have a really, really horrible jingle that oh. I sang into my cell phone. Do, do, you, as... <laughs> do you remember this horrible jingle? She remembers all her life. She better remember oh, the jingle. Oh, oh yeah. I, um, how, how horrible is it? Is it's it, just... It's, is, it's a vlog tale of horror. <laughs> it's, it's just um, it's just really cheesy, and I sing it off tune, you know, like kind of intentionally, and... Um, <laughs> So it's it's wink cheesy. wink say no more <laughs> yeah I intentionally sing it off key I'm a lovely singer um, yeah so then I attached that to like all the beginnings of my videos and there was this terrible and then I actually make fun of the jingle as soon as I'm done singing it I went oh wow that jingle really sucks but I kept that in there and so every time my video would play up would come the jingle with my self deprecation mm. attached to the end of it and it sounds a little like this. <laughs> Are we gonna? Are we gonna get it? Huh? Well, yeah. let's see. I wasn't prepared to sing, but of course, it's supposed to be awful. If you need a dose of Jen every day in September, then you're in luck, cause it's Jen Timber, Jen Timber. Wow, that jingle sucks. This yeah, <laughs> 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 is something like that. <laughs> Did it always come with the "Wow, that jingle sucks"? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was always at the, attached to the end of it. And I recorded it like on my cell phone. I could probably send you the actual like recording that I have at home. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's not any better than I what it's I so just much better did. Live. I don't think we <laughs> well, because at least you get the cheesy faces with it whenever when you guys can see me. <laughs> so, so uh, Bruce, what uh, what shows have you done this year? Oh, um, this is okay. I just did um, a really one of my, one of my all time favorite shows. Actually, now I've I've been doing this since two thousand five is when I revived my career. <laughs> um, so what's that? About thirteen years of shows, and I have to say that I I got so fortunate this year to do one with Bobcat Theater, Bobcat Players, excuse me, in, which is in Beaver and operates out of the Beaver Area High School. 
Oh, it was a show called Something to Hide. I'm so noisy and, um, over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to drink on the sly and it's not working. He's, he's trying he's trying to tell a tale here, Jen. Oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Every, no, it's, um, just, it's, it's Jen Tember and I <laughs> want everything to be about me. Uh, no, so I really, like I said, this is one of my, my favorite shows I've ever done because, again, it, it it's the the cast was just amazing. I mean, uh, I I just was having such a delight that um, it's fun when you're backstage and you're not on to be able to sit back and listen and just be wowed by your fellow castmates. I mean, um, so the show again, I got to play a uh, British uh, Columbo. I say, in fact, this really could have been. It was written in 1958, and it really could have been an inspiration for the Columbo series because he acted just like that, including at one point where. I'm talking with the uh, with the um, owner of the house who has uh, committed murder, and uh, I'm actually leaving. I say, "Well, so long, see you later," and I walk out the door and I come back and say, "Just one more thing." <laughs> 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 and uh, now, anyone who knows me knows that that I love doing accents, and uh, this was the first time I really did get to do a Cockney accent. Uh, he was supposed to be just a, just as the formula for Columbo is, there was an upper class murderer and the lower class detective who just picks apart their story. They think they've gotten everything covered and he just notices a little thing here and there. And uh, uh, that that was, it was just such a delightful show to do. And again, uh, the the just everybody in the show had such such great performances. That that's really um, what made it uh, well, wonderful to do. So that was, uh, but I think that was it. Uh, unless I'm forgetting something. I did not get cast as I typically do in Red Barn this year. Oh. And uh, well, that, I'm, Sorry, bring that up. <laughs> I know that I wasn't available for too many shows there in the summer where I was away a lot. So uh, this is an unusual year for me. That's only going to be the second show I've done. So what, what was the name of that? Uh, you did it. Uh, something died. Something died. Something. Died. <laughs> well, it did. Something to no. hide. <laughs> Some, something to hide. They okay. had, yeah, they had something to hide. It was actually, I got to do the line, you know, it's fun when you get to do the line that is the title. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you're doing the movie, you know, uh, like Ben Affleck, I think in the movie got to say, this is a clear and present danger. And it was like, whoa, he said the title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> You start to believe that they have something to hide. You know? I was just going to ask you to do a Cockney accent for us, but you, you oh. beat me to it. All right. right. No, that, that's one of my favorite accents to do. I have never gotten a chance to do it in a film, in a play, um, because I've I've twice been in My Fair Lady, and I wanted Alfred Doolittle, and they gave me Henry Higgins, and I felt like, well, I can't really turn down the major role. You know, it seemed... <laughs> But uh, yeah, doing the Cockney accent, it's, it's a lot of fun. The difference between the Cockney accent and most other accents that you're going to do is that you have to change not just the vowels, but the consonants in some cases too. For instance, when you start a word with a TH sound, it comes out like an F. That's a, that's a weird thing. But <laughs> actually, you, know, you say, oh, you got something to hide. And uh, uh, I also found that you know, a lot of people with the, with the T, you know, and you know, reply Alpha P Doolittle, and uh, you know they have a bottle of beer. I also actually the funnest thing to do in, in uh, is uh, Pink the song. Um, she's got a song, one of her first hits. It sounds really funny in Cockney to say, "I'm coming up, so you better get this party started." <laughs> <laughs> you know, four words in a row there, where you just like. Drop that, drop that too. <laughs> but mostly what I've gotten to do in the past, I do my Russian accent, you know, 
Uh, I love to do the Russian accent, and I was at I was at uh, Beaver doing Bobcat Players, The Good Doctor, uh, which is a Neil Simon play, and uh, it is uh, as Neil Simon did a lot of times. He said things in Russia, so you do a Russian accent. A lot of fun to do. Um, do the proper British accent, of course, is also a delightful thing to do. Uh, those are the things I think I've done. Oh, I, I did a Native American accent, which, you know, hopefully, again, it doesn't sound... You do these different accents, hopefully I never yeah. come out sounding I, racist. But. <laughs> I was in that show, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. Yeah, that, that, was, yeah. that was Three Murders and a I don't. Monday. I don't think that character was actually Native American. I think he was completely putting was it Was he on. faking it? I think he was faking it. Perhaps. I think he was faking it. <laughs> I, I think he got killed too soon to find out. I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember yeah. if he ever did that. But, you know, I had to do the, the, the way of speaking. Right. <laughs> Um, you're right. It, it's it's um, uh, the the era you and I grew up in. A lot of humor, especially like on television, and that was really based on kind of making fun of these these minorities oh, and yeah. the way they talked and and the things they said. And my brain will go there sometimes, and I stop and I go, "Oh my god, that's so racist! Why would I think that?" <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I've never tried to do an Asian accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been called on twice through an African accent. An African accent. It was very strange. I just did, um, oh, I guess this is my third show. I forgot I did do um, New Works Players. We just did a read-through, uh, uh, or uh, a stage reading, excuse me, of uh, a show in which I was supposed to be from Zanzibar. Zanzibar. <laughs> yes, I which I have no idea, but... Uh, wasn't aware there was a Zanzibarian accent. Uh, uh, there is not even a Zanzibar anymore, actually. Oh. It, uh, it's, it, it ceased to exist in 1975. <laughs> but uh, the guy was supposed to be... There was, was this kind of a science fiction-y thing in which he was actually supposed to be a, like a time traveler from 1973. From Zanzibar. Yes. Well, wow. and right. the really embarrassing thing I think was doing the doing the accent. The first time I was called in was Aida, and I was playing the father of Aida. Now we had an actual African American actress playing Aida, and I'm playing her father. For those who can't see me on the radio, I'm white. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a little strange, you know. We, we are we are blessed with Caucasianness in this room currently. <laughs> and um, I had to, yeah, I'd come out and do lines like Aida, my darling, my darling daughter. It is so good to see you. <laughs> I have never actually seen Aida. Um, I guess I wasn't aware that uh, is is Aida supposed to be? Yes, it's set in Egypt, but the uh, and the, you can get white people to do the Egyptians, but a key part of it is that Aida is a princess of Nubia, so everybody so is supposed and they sing about how much they, how they miss Nubia. She is. Yeah, right. exactly, uh -huh. and that they're that they've been um, uh, captured and they're slaves in Egypt now, and her father comes and. I think, I think I confused in my head Evita with... <laughs> ah, I'm thinking, isn't, I think I was that, doing the same thing. thing. Oh, I was like, I'm yeah. thinking, weren't they South American? And, and no. I'm thinking about it, I'm like... <laughs> Why was I doing that? Like, Why was I doing an African very accent? confused like, right what now. The, where do the Africans come in here? I'm, I'm just like, don't cry for me, Egypt. Uh, <laughs> you weren't alone. I was I'm like, I don't okay. remember that. No, Madonna's Aida, very... Aida was a, originally a, uh, an opera, but uh, it's an Elton John and Tim Rice wrote the musics for it as a musical. <laughs> That is interesting. One, one of my Don't favorite. Uh, Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bruce, uh, we thank you for joining us in our in our stu my studio, my my uh, my spare bedroom studio. Um, thank you very much. It's, for it's, it's been a pleasure. Oh. I was going to say it's been a pleasure. Uh, I always love listening to your stories, um, Jen. Uh, 
No, Do you all. like listening to my story? <laughs> send, send us Not mic. really, but now I'm forced to say yes. No. <laughs> Go to your room. I'm still your father. <laughs> you have been listening to the Drop Lines podcast with Eric J. McAnallen and Jen Ryan, the monthly podcast about community theater. Drop Lines drops onto the interwebs the last Tuesday of every month. So join us next month for more tales of theater horror theater words to find, and any other bunny trail we decide to hop down. For more information, visit us on the web at www.droplines.com. And don't forget to subscribe.